Welcome to Hot Off the Press, a podcast that provides knowledge and emotional support for new and aspiring printers. I'm Jillian of Studio Soprano. And I'm Mariah of Mariah Creates, and we are two letterpress printers who believe in sharing our knowledge and learning together. We're here to help bridge the gap between antique printing methods and modern design. So hang up your apron, put down those palette knives, and let's get into what's hot off the press. friends and welcome back to hot off the press i am jillian and this is mariah with me uh, my fabulous beautiful co-host we are here today to talk to you about our favorite presses the platinum press and debatably the best <laughs> debatably the best we have very biased opinions uh we love our little dangerous platinum presses <laughs> Yeah, they're dangerous, but they're cute. Um, yeah, between the two of us, we have three little, we have three presses, and they're all platinum presses. So, some may say we're experts in our field, but uh, we definitely would not say that. Um, but you know, we do have some experience with these presses. Um, I also have a little experience with other types as well. Um, so, I think all together, we'll give you a nice idea of what we like about platinum presses what we don't like about them perhaps and uh you know maybe you'll get a better idea of whether this press might be the right kind for you if you're looking for one yeah although i want to go on record because gordy may listen to this and bite me that there's nothing i don't like about you gordy yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm fearless i'm like yo press we'll figure it out let's work through this you know Yeah, uh, definitely on the con list, and we will get into this more, but platinum presses are for sure the most dangerous of the yeah. letterpress printing machines. Yeah, they are the uh, the most risky to your fingers. Um, the other ones have a little bit more safety precautions in place, but platinum presses can be can be a little rough. Um, and you do have to be careful and be aware and, um, you know, safety first, everybody. That's kind of the, the gist of that. But uh, who doesn't live life on the edge a little bit, you know, <laughs> from time to time? Well, <laughs> universities for one. <laughs> we were just talking about how yeah, anyone who don't... teaches letterpress, they don't live on the edge. They don't want to live on the edge. Their insurance company doesn't want, that, want them to live on the edge. <laughs> you know, oh, it's so does not like this. <laughs> Yeah. No, uh, a lot. So a lot of school programs, uh, they'll have other printing machines, but they won't have like platen, especially old ones like ours that have no freaking safety mechanism whatsoever. Um, They, you know, you go to their workshop and they've got table saws and all this stuff, but they they won't have platen presses. I am almost more worried about some of the paper cutters. (laughs) Oh, but you know, but here's the thing. Some of the paper cutters like require like safeties where like you both hands have to be on buttons yeah. to like go yeah they um, figured that out. Pi- guillotines scare the crap out of me when I'm watching them but I want one so bad like a super industrial yeah. guillotine um, but what I was gonna say is like universities won't touch these things they won't put them in or you have to take like so many programs before you could go dabble yeah um, but at the beginning of 2020 I like had I knew a bunch of people who were coming into town for like whatever some sort of 
uh, seminar, like motivational speaker seminar thing. And I was like, oh, it'd be really fun to host them all for a letterpress workshop. And I was just slapping this thing together. I was like, I'm going to have these people come in. And like, (laughs) of course, that's the week that COVID shut everything down. But had that not happened without insurance, I was inviting strangers into my garage. Oh, that's like kind of a scary thought. I know. But, you know, it just doesn't it doesn't seem as dangerous to me, especially because I don't operate it with a motor and I'm really familiar with it. But um, I'm very glad that COVID put a pause on that because in hindsight, I realized the only reason I'm comfortable with it is because I used it a lot because there have been times this past year where like I've needed to be out of town and I thought like, can I ask Zach to print this for me? And I'm like, no, someone who doesn't know this machine will hurt themselves. Yeah. And we both know Chloe of Barrio Press and she got injured on her. She has a press similar to ours and um, she got injured on her press like what last year, I think. Um, Well, everything is last year now. It's 2022. (laughs) But um, yeah, she got injured and it's like, you know, what do you do? You like have to outsource or bring someone in who can print or train somebody that, you know, like your partner in most of our cases uh, to pick up the pieces, you know, and it's like it's not something that can just be taught overnight, which we all know. That's why we're all listening to this podcast and why we're making a podcast because letterpress is a very like fine art that is, you know, not commonly you know taught or known so it's like what do you do you know like hopefully your pricing is built that you can outsource something and not lose money on a job or perhaps you have a client who is flexible or whatever but like man it's one of the hazards of our industry um and those of us who operate on flattened presses it's a little more risky than other presses like flatbed that kind of thing so um yeah, kind of crazy to think about. But that's I yeah. I almost wish it had happened for you like that you got to have people there, but I also am glad that it didn't for you. <laughs> yeah. I do still offer like a fun little like you know how they do like the sip and paint things? Mhm. I have something similar like that that I'm really excited about doing when people feel safe about coming over, except you won't be operating the press. Like I'll be operating the press, but we're going to like mix ink together together. and yeah, yeah, go through it together. You'll get to go through my plate library and pick like fun things and I'll set up, I'll show you all the setup stuff, but like I'm not going to let you almost get your fingers jammed in my press. My insurance company would not be happy about that. Or pedal it. Yeah, because you have the treadle. Um, Okay, well, let's get into the press itself and what makes the patent and all of that. And then I will tell you the story about when I got mine and had the safety scared into me. Um. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Let's do it. Mariah, tell us about platinum presses. Yeah, so the the basic idea is that um, the press has – a platen, which is the bed where your chase, which is like a frame, and your form goes. And that platen closes like a clamshell to meet the place where your paper goes. And that's how you get a print. Um, there are a few different types of platen presses. The most popular are Chandler and Prices, which is actually what I have. They're usually referred to like Chandler and Price 8 by 12 is what I have. And that refers to the chase size. So it's 8 inches by 12 inches. That's the basically the printable area with a few exceptions. Um, there are other types out there. There's Klugies, which are really commonly used for like foiling, I think, uh, most commonly. And then yours is a Challenge Gordon press. Is that right? Yep, sure is. Yep, perfect. And those are all floor model patents. So they're big. Um, they take up like, you know, four feet by five feet, give or take, 
that's including room to walk around them and everything. Um, mine weighs about 800. They say they weigh about 800, 1200 pounds, something like that. Um, there are also tabletop flatten presses. So the same idea, the same like mechanisms, um, but they're smaller and they're not either motor or foot treadle operated. So they're just run by hand, every single print. Um, and they don't have like a big crankshaft or anything like that. They're a little simpler. Basically, um, you have ink rollers that go up over an ink disc and the ink rollers come down over the form in your in your chase on the bed and then it meets the paper, which you hand feed. So it's still a, like a manual process, but the mechanism itself is powered either by foot in a more manual form or by a motor, which is what I have. So I have a motorized platen press and Jillian has a foot treadle platen press. So our process is like, I probably wouldn't be able to go to Jillian's house and be like, I'm going to use her press for a second. Like I would mm -hmm. have to like kind of relearn how to feed paper and how to like treadle at the same time. Whereas if you came to my house and you picked up and you started the press, you'd be like, this is terrifying. Like, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> they're both a little different, even though they're like similar, you know what I mean? So um, how they're operated does make a big difference. Like every press is just enough different um, and has its own personality and a little bit slightly different like method of operation that I don't really think you could just like go to anyone's shop in the world and just like start printing. It would take some, it would take some time to get like settled in. Yeah. Um, and it's worth noting that I could put a motor on mine. So the motors for these presses are pretty simple. I mean, shockingly, some of them require like a lot of power for some reason when I think that they're yeah. fairly simple mechanisms. But um, it's basically a motor that's attached to like a big leather belt and it would go around the wheel. I don't know if yours is the same same way. Um yeah. But basically that's what's turning my flywheel for me. Whereas like right now I have to pedal and that like turns a thing that turns a thing that turns the flywheel. Yeah. So I've actually looked into this a lot. Um, so when I got my press, okay, I'll dive into the story of when I got it real quick because this is relevant. So Yay. when I bought my press, <laughs> woohoo, ties in, it always does. So when I got my Chandler and Price, um, I got it from a guy who had not used the motor. He just turned it by hand, which there's a huge flywheel on the side. Mine's like, I think, I don't know, like three, four feet. I don't know how big you're, I don't know how big it is. I guess I'd have to measure it, but it's like, you know, it's big. It's like three feet or more. And mm -hmm. to turn it by hand takes a lot of energy. And it's a really awkward way to like, it's a really awkward like position to be in, to stand behind the feed tray and like try and turn it. Cause you're kind of like above it, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, he used it by hand and never used the motor. So I, I had a motor when I got the press and I got it all set up. I got my press all settled in and was like, I can't wait to plug in the motor and try it out. And so I had to go get a new belt because the old belt had broken because, you know, the leather, that's probably one of the most like fragile parts of the whole press is like this leather or in modern cases, sometimes they're rubber, I think, um, this belt had broken. So I went to the store and because I live in Minnesota where farm country is a plenty, I could just buy one. Um, I just had to measure the right size and then uh, got home, plugged in the motor. I got all excited and I like, I turned on the motor and my press, it was literally, I'm not kidding when I say it was like watching a train go off the tracks. Like it was so fast. <laughs> I was scared shitless. I, not kidding, probably had it on for about 10 seconds before I yanked the plug out of the wall. I was like, no. I was so terrified because, like, I had never seen the press move that fast, first of all. 
And second of all, like my press is not like super perfect condition where it's like quiet and runs smoothly. It's like kind of loud even when it's running like slowly. So it was super freaking loud in my garage. Um, that all being said, I also had learned to print on a flatbed press. So I really wasn't that familiar with platen presses. So I immediately was just like, nope, absolutely not. Like, uh-uh, <laughs> that will not work for me. And I... So I was super afraid to even like touch the motor. I have not used it since. And so I looked into getting like a, you can convert it to a foot treadle um, and people have manufactured and machined kits for them, like specifically made kits. I think they probably make them custom. Like they probably make one per month um, mm -hmm. and they're like $400. <laughs> it was going to cost like 400 to convert my press to a foot treadle. And um, I ended up getting a new motor and it's variable speed so I can slow it up or speed it down if I want to. And now I'm like, I'm running at a pretty quick pace on my press anyway, but man, that first, I'll literally never forget like the feeling when I plugged that stupid motor in. It was so fast. I don't know if the person who had it originally even ever printed that fast. I mean, it was incredible. Um, yeah. yeah. It was terrible. I mean, it might be like, um, I think about when I'm listening to, like, I listen to everything on like 2x speed. And I remember the first yeah. time I heard something on 2x speed, and it was like, da, 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 da. and now if I listen yeah. to anything like below 2x, it's very slow. So I think yeah, you do get point. used to the speed. Um, but I would be terrified if I saw like, and, and I actually have, I have seen like a Chandler and Price or a CMP. If we say CMP, that's what we're referring to, by the way. Um, I have seen a CMP with a motor in person and I do find it to be terrifying. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know. I get like in such a groove, like to me, pedaling and feeding paper is, I don't know. It's, I'm not yeah. a very good like multitasker. Like, you know, when you were a kid and you're like, pat yourself on the head and rub your belly. I suck at that. <laughs> <laughs> but you can pedal but, and feed paper that's wild but I could pedal I could pedal and feed paper and drink coffee and be recording yeah. reels and <laughs> totally well okay so the I think there's like some pros and cons to that like to motor versus like foot treadle so I feel like when I'm printing like because I'm printing at a good speed I do use my throw off handle more which if you're not familiar which you're probably not um, the throw off handle basically just makes it so that the paper doesn't meet the form all the way. So you don't get an impression. Um, so it's like skipping, it's like skipping a copy. Right. Um, and you can use it for a lot of reasons, whether it's like, you know, I'm trying to take a sip of my coffee and I just need a second to breathe. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. You can use the throw off handle. But, um, I think when it's, when you're like doing a foot treadle press, I imagine like if you just slow down or stop pedaling, it just stops the press. Whereas a motor, you have to turn it off, turn it on, which, you know, wears out your motor as well. So I think there is some advantage to the foot treadle in that sense that like, it goes with you. Whereas like I'm going with a, my motor and like I'm trying to just get it done and knock it out because the motor's on and running and the press is going and it's inking and it's, you know, it's inking the form every time it goes, no matter what. So um, I feel like you're a little more pressured to stay at the pace of the press. Whereas with a foot treadle, you can like slow up and speed up, slow down and speed up as you need to, you know, does that make sense? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going to put that like on the tippy tippy top of my pro list of um, one using a platen press, but two using a foot pedaled platen press because, yeah. um, 
you really do become like one with the machine and your pace is the machine's pace. And that's what I really love about um, my challenge, Gordon, is that I am just like whatever rhythm I am at, that's where the press is and vice versa. So like if I am printing something that um, is just being finicky and like I kind of want to look at every single piece that comes out, I will just go nice and slow and I will literally like engage the press and print one and then pull it out and look at it and then feed it and go and you know, I could go anywhere from a print every four seconds to a print every minute and a half. <laughs> like, yeah. I have that full range because I really want to look at, you know, sometimes I want to see every print, how I'm doing. Usually that's a, if I'm doing a really big um, pattern with a lot of full bleed and stuff like that, because that is something to Handmade put on paper. the con list. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, platins aren't really super great at getting very good even impression or even inking because of the way that the clamshell closes. So you usually have to do a lot of overcompensating with packing and yada yada. Um, And mine is so stinking old that like the rails are worn down so much that achieving type high is just a joke for me. Like I would need at least a half inch of tape to like build up to get to type high. Um, that's an exaggeration. I would need like an eighth yeah. of well, tape. Well, not necessarily a half inch maybe, <laughs> but like you would need a significant yeah. amount. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. So um, I've actually decided like I'm just going to establish a new type high for my press because I use polymer plates anyway. It's not like I'm using traditional type. Um, and that worked out really well because I actually found that I could take all the tape off my rails and just put it on like one or two areas where there's like divots. Um, and then I get a nice, even inking and it's great and I'm not worried about it. Yeah. When we talk about, uh, flatbed presses, we can go over a little bit more about like why impression is hard in platens and why it's easier in flatbed presses. Um, but basically like the platen press. So like we said, it closes like a clamshell. It doesn't, it closes like a clamshell, like a book. It doesn't close like, like completely parallel the platen Mm -hmm. and like the, you know, the, the paper are never going to be meeting completely flat. They always meet at a little bit of an angle. And so you're, you know, the way you set up your press, the way you make ready your press is going to determine how evenly your impression is going to, is going to take. But, um, so yeah, that's definitely on the con list as well. It's, um, so it's a little more dangerous. We already talked about that, but it's also a little bit more like make ready or fine tuning is required. Um, so that's definitely something to consider when you're looking at a, a platen press. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I having a motorized press, I would, I would personally probably stick with a motor versus a treadle press. But I think they both have their advantages. You know, like if you're looking to crank out, like I have a client who I usually print like upwards of 750 copies of something for her, and it's like that would be a lot on a treadle. I mean, yeah. that would be so much. Like I can't even fathom doing. I mean, how like what's the most you've ever printed in a day? Do you have any idea like of numbers? Um, oh yeah. Like, so at least once a month I'm out there printing, um, over 300 greeting cards in a day, but each of those greeting cards have more than one color on them. 
So yeah. every time, like, you know, you add another color. So I've definitely gone north like of 1,200 in a day. But yeah. it is an eight-hour day pedaling something. <laughs> yeah. That's, so, like, that's not uh, some my, small, like, thing to consider, yeah. you know? Like, that's a big deal. Yeah, my legs do feel jello-y after those, like, really long days, for sure. And I've yeah. actually, like, I've told myself I need to tr- – I would never ask like if I had an employee I would never ask that of them right like I would probably set like you can only work on this machine for like x amount of hours you know yada so I kind of want to do that for myself too and just be like okay there has to be a cap on this particular machine because it is you know that's a lot of work yeah um also you could totally convert your press to motorized if you ever desired to do that obviously but right um you can totally just you would have just have to remove the actual pedal itself because it would like hit you in the legs I think um so (laughs) you would have to just move you'd have to remove the treadle but you could motorize it as well and then like putting a treadle back on and taking a belt off is way easier than like trying to put a treadle conversion onto a motorized press so like if you were going to go one way or the other like you'd probably start off with a treadle and then motorize it rather than trying to I don't know, treadalize a motorized press. <laughs> yeah, plus <laughs> it's, such a, term there. Fun. it's such a great way to learn too because it's slower. So it's not, you know what I mean? You have time to think yeah. about it. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. And so both like both of our presses, they have the same flywheel. Mm-hmm. They have the same cranks and all of that. So like you would be able to do either one. Um, uh, so yeah. I also have a tabletop platen press, which is like a little guy. It's a baby press um, and it's a Kelsey um, Excelsior. It's a five by eight. So five inches by eight inches of a printable area. Um, and it's uh, it's a lot to like ink up a press by hand. Like I know a couple people with tabletop presses that like actually make greeting cards and things. And I'm just like props to you. Like we think foot treadling is a lot of work. You have to like ink up your press by hand you have to every single and I mean like you're literally it's like it's like pressing down on like a imagine like a waffle iron or like pulling on a lever like depending on the press that's what you're doing for every single copy and Mm -hmm. a lot of times they're either a left or a right-handed pull they're not in the center so you like can only really do it with one arm Um, Mm -hmm. you don't get to like switch feet when you get tired, like (laughs) there's no option and, um, inking up the press alone. Like it takes time for your ink rollers to distribute the ink over the ink disc. And, um, just inking up alone is like a huge pain on the tiny presses. Um, there are larger tabletop presses than what I have, which give a better impression and everything. The one I have is pretty small. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. Like I, when I first started, that's the first press I got and, um, it, was actually really great to learn on. I would highly recommend if you want to learn on something, try and get or be around someone who has a tabletop press because it's the easiest way. Nothing happens until you pull that lever, right? Like it's nothing is going to shift, move around or injure you unless you pull that lever. That's the only way. Um, So it was awesome because I got to kind of learn the mechanics, having learned on a Vandercook and then gone to a tabletop press and then eventually getting my floor model. I was like so grateful for that middle step, even though it wasn't like what I ended up needing. It was perfect to learn on. Um, I think one day I would love to teach people or like you said, do like workshops with my little tabletop Mm -hmm. press just because it's super approachable. Um, And like we talked about, very, very low hazard. Um, But yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, inking up my little press. I like I usually use a brayer just to like spread the ink on the ink disc because it just takes way less time um and it's way easier to just crank it out on a brayer than it is on the lever on the press itself. So, um yeah, so many I mean there's a few cons to these presses, but they I think Chandler prices are definitely the easiest to find. Floor model platen presses are easy to come by relatively um in the in the printing the letterpress world. Um, they're also not as expensive as other types of presses. They, I think they average somewhere around like maybe between one and 3000, um, with exceptions to all of that, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I know somebody who paid $10,000 for a beautiful, completely refurbished, looks like it's brand new platinum press. And like, that's up to you whether that's in your budget or not. That blows my mind. Oh, I know. It's so pretty, though. And, like, it runs so smoothly. <laughs> like, it's so quiet. I'm like, I didn't even know my press had these noises until, like, you hear one that doesn't have it, you know? And you're like, oh, that's what it's supposed to sound like? ruh Um, But, yeah. So, you know, you could spend as much as you wanted to. There are companies that restore them. There's actually one here in Minnesota. And then um, – I don't know if you want to share what you got your press for, but I yeah. got my press for under $1,000. So they're Same. heavy. They're hard to move. So like, you know, it depends. You can find really good deals on them. Um, I think as letterpress becomes more popular, you're going to obviously find less good deals on them. But um, I really do feel like if you keep searching, you'll find a press for probably under $1,000. Um, yeah, I would actually yeah. say, so like if you go on eBay and stuff, mm-hmm. there's like the floor model presses are usually way cheaper than the tabletop presses because the tabletop presses are like kind of easy to get rid of, like to give to someone else, you know, to sell. They're small. They go on a table. Right. Whereas like a floor model, uh, CMP or a Gordon jobber or anything like that is a pain in the butt to move. And typically when people are getting rid of these presses, it's either because someone passed away and they inherited it or they bought it as a hobby thing and then they ended up not really making anything of it and now they're moving or something. Like I love reading the the personal stories and the listings are always like, yeah. moving in a week, <laughs> why? get rid of, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Um, so anyway, like they usually want to get rid of them and they know what a pain in the butt they are to move. So they do not charge a lot for them. I bought mine for $700 from a woman who bought it 10 years ago. It was in her garage for 10 years. She said she used it a handful of times. Um, But the biggest thing was like, how the heck am I going to move this thing? Um, I ended up actually just like having my boyfriend go down there, figure it out. He moved it himself. Like it can be done. It's it is a huge pain in the butt and you usually want to hire a professional so nobody gets hurt. Um, but yeah. he was up to the challenge and he did pretty a pretty good job. But like that to me was one of the reasons that I jumped right into the floor model because I actually was looking at do I want to just dabble and get like a tabletop press? But um, some of the tabletop presses I were looking at were pretty pricey, like still kind of in that like upper hundred to just over a thousand dollars and on top of it their printing area was so much smaller and obviously it would be a lot more work because like you said you have to like put some labor into like inking it up and all this stuff um so I just took the plunge and I bought um the challenge Gordon and you know never looked back I'm really excited about it and yeah I just want to add into like since you were talking about inking like 
I don't even know if we got into all the mechanics of like how the ink disc mm-hmm. and all of that work, but um, I really love, uh, even though it is a little laborious, but I love the inking <laughs> and the cleaning up of the ink on the platen presses. I am very excited for one day of having you know, a more automated machine, like a windmill or something like that, which we'll do a whole episode on windmills, but they do fall into the platen press family just because of the fact that they're a clamshell press. Um, but (laughs) there's so many rollers and like layers of rollers (laughs) on windmills. And if you don't have, um, a, like a cleaning, what is it called? Like a cleaning, it Uh, looks like a squeegee. Oscillating. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever the self-cleaning little bar thing is, if you don't have one of those squeegees built into your press, that's a lot of rollers for you to wipe down. So I really love that to ink up a platen, you're just dabbing on and you always want to start with a little and slowly build up, but you're just dabbing on a couple drops of ink. You're letting the rollers disperse it because the ink disc does all the work for you by self-rotating. You're letting the rollers disperse it. And then when you clean up, you only have to clean up the ink disc, the one main ink disc and your rollers, which really isn't all that hard. Yeah. So I think that actually like opens up a really big pro or an advantage to platen presses. And to me, that is that everything on the press is right there in front of you. There's no case. There's no like any kind of like exterior to it. It's just right there. So any kind of like oil spot, like when you need oil at the press, you just walk around it. As long as you can walk around the press, you can see every part of it. Um, You can see exactly how things move. You can oil up everything easily. There's no like hidden compartments. Like it's just right there in front of you. Um, So that is definitely something like if there is an issue, it's going to be easy to spot and easy to like hear for and when you need to maintain it and oil it up, it's going to be right in front of you. So that I think is a huge advantage. And the rollers, there's two or three rollers. They're right in front of you. You can take them off really easily. Um, I think that's definitely a huge advantage is like maintaining it. It's super simple and it's all right there. Um, there's a lot so less I think parts. Yeah, there's a lot less parts and there's, you know, it is motorized, but the motor isn't a part of the press. Like you can go buy a new motor today, tomorrow, next week, and you can also still operate the press without it, um, which some of like the motorized flatbed presses, you really can't, um, you know, like how would you spin the ink rollers when they're attached to it? You know what I mean? Like there's no flywheel to turn. There's no other option. Like it's just motorized. So I do think that like that's an advantage is like if it's in less than perfect condition or when it comes time to maintain the press you have a lot more flexibility in that front um so yeah 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 i also think like a good point of comparison is the printable area so um kind of the same reason that i chose the floor model over the tabletop if you are seriously considering making an investment into getting a letterpress into your shop, um, if you don't have one already and you want to start one, and um, let's say you're very interested in just like visual graphic arts, you might want to do posters, things like that, a platen is probably not going to be the best choice for you um, because even on like what is is a 10 by 14? 
10 by 12, 10 by 14. What is the larger one? 10 by 15. The channel prices. Yeah, 10 by 15. So even on a 10 by 15, that's not I think there's really... 12 by 18 maybe. Okay. Okay. There's yeah, a, that's still, not really your still. printable area though. You know what I mean? Like, okay, for example, yeah, mine's, so, mine's an 8 by yeah. 12, but my printable area is actually 9 by 6. And like even yeah. within that 9 by 6, there are some areas that I try to steer clear. So if somebody gives me like an A9 invitation, unless it's all just text, if it's got any like big graphics on it, I'm actually usually printing that in two parts because my press is just like not sized appropriately for something that's larger and something that has like a lot of color coverage. So those are good things to think about. Like, what is it that you want to print? If you're printing a lot of like little note cards, then a tabletop could be spot on for you. Um, also, a smaller floor model could be spot on for you. If you're printing a lot of invitations, a lot of A9 size things, probably want to go posters. with a bigger floor model. If you're doing yeah. posters, you may want to look into a larger machine, like a flatbed. Yeah. So a little note here on like printable area. So the platen presses, they have uh, a bed and a platen, right? The bed is where your chase goes. And a chase is essentially a frame that holds your form. So your text or your linoleum block or your base and your photopolymer plate, whatever you're printing on, right? And the chase inside is this printable is this eight by 12 size right like that's the size the press is named after but that area once you add in furniture keys coins all of the things you need to hold your form into the press your printable area is smaller so like you said i think six by nine or something like that so mm -hmm. you end up with like about half of you know maybe less than a third or half of your press or your chase size is actually what you can print with flatbed presses like vandercook's it's different. You can max out a lot more of that space because you don't need as much like furniture, coins, things to hold the form in place because of the way they're built. So there are like a lot of reasons for why platen presses can only print a certain area, but it has a lot to do with the physical structure of the press because that platen with the form in it or the bed with the form in it moves. It needs mm -hmm. to be super sturdy, super strong. Like you have to physically be able to pick up your thing with all the lead type and move it to the press. You don't like set the type in the press and then just go. Whereas a flatbed press, you can totally do that. So you only need a little bit of like extra room. So you can print a lot bigger area um, on a flatbed press than you ever could, even on the largest four model platen presses that are out there. Um, yeah. So that's definitely a consideration. If you are at all considering doing large prints, broadsides, posters, et cetera, you're probably not going to want a platen press. Um, like I'm even curious what the, the largest the size. windmill size is. Uh, I don't even know. I think I think they're the same. I think it's like twelve by eighteen or something like that. It's usually the largest that I've seen. Um, yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. Yeah, like in Vandercooks, like some of the beds are like you know two feet long. You can literally print two feet worth of something as long as your paper comes unfurled. Like you know, it's like basically more about your paper size. Like how big is your paper? That's as big as you can print. You know, like yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, you know, I didn't even think about that, but your paper size would really limit you there because it has to turn around the drum, right? Yeah, it, yeah, and you can't like it. Okay, so now I'm really thinking about this. Like, so if you wanted to print something bigger than a Vandercook, you'd have to use like a like a 
like a galley press and ink it, put the paper on and then roll the cylinder over because Vandercooks have rollers that roll with your paper. So you couldn't like just lay the paper out and roll it over it. You physically couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a, wow. I have an answer for us here. Um, yeah. um, okay. So the largest is a 12 by 18, which gives you the largest paper size. Oh, wait, no. It says the interior chase dimensions are 12 and 5 eighths by 17 and 3 quarters. And just so you know, the one was listed for $3,000 cash. Ready for pickups. Nice. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm like, where is it at? Let's go. We've, I know, right? This was from 2019, so probably still not there. I am looking at our biggest online resource uh, briarpress.com if you are just getting into letterpress you want to bookmark briarpress um, it's where all the goods are I would also suggest letterpress commons I I loved looking through like all, when I was first looking at what kind of press to get I felt like they're they have a lot of not all of them because that doesn't exist but they have a lot of the original manuals for some of these presses like the Chandler and Price that I have um well, they have it in a different size, but you get the gist. Like they have Windmill and Chandler and Price and some Vandercook manuals on their website. But they also have, you know, like a little bit of information about different types of tabletop presses. If you're looking at getting one of those, like why is the Chandler, why is the Pilot Press so much more expensive than the Kelsey? That kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I really love Letterpress Commons for looking at different presses because not everyone has a Center for Book Arts near them that has a whole room full of them. They can just go walk through. Um, so I, I love that as well. Letterpress Commons and Briar Press are both great. Yeah, love them. I am now <laughs> looking at Letterpress Commons because um, I want to tell this tale. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell this tale tell because I recently found out, even though um, I'm pretty sure it's printed, right? It's like in whatever, engraved right on the back of Gordy, um, who manufactured him. But his, his, the name of the machine is Challenge Gordon. That's how I coined his name, Gordy. Um, but I always thought that he was made by the Gordon Franklin Company. Um, yeah, there are which, presses that are called Gordon Jobbers, Golden, uh, yeah. Gordon, yeah, Gordon Franklin, yeah. Yeah, well, George Phineas Gordon, which like best name ever. Come on, best name ever. Uh, he actually Phineas. made a tells you a lot about the he... time period that we're looking at here. <laughs> you don't have to guess; like it's definitely early 1900s, late 1800s, right? Like no question about oh, it. Oh, yeah. oh, this is straight up 1800s. He was born in 1810, yeah. died in 1878. So this is straight up yep. 1800s. Um, I really love George. He made a lot of presses, but my favorite thing about him, my favorite tidbit about him is that he was convinced that Benjamin Franklin appeared to him in a dream and gave him the vision for what became sort of the jobber that we know and use as a floor model. This vision came to him in a dream from Benjamin Franklin. So that is why he called Named his, company. his machines. Yeah. Gordon Franklin's anyway. Um, what a time to be alive time, before printed printed materials were readily available. You would have what visions of people alive. like Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, he didn't actually make Gordy, though, which is sad. 
Um, you see, this we was learn also a time. every time we do these podcasts. I swear. I know we do. <laughs> so I did know this. I knew that this was a time of a lot of companies like swiping ideas from each other and basically like whatever, becoming their own entrepreneurial selves with other people's ideas. Totally fine. Um, That's a different episode. <laughs> actually, the biggest one yeah. who did that was Chandler and Price. <laughs> Chandler and Price was like, you know what? George, we're going to take your idea and then we're going to patent it. And then that's when everyone else like closed their doors and we're like, well, F me. I'm screwed now. Yeah, And we wonder why Chandler and Price's are most readily available presses. Um, It's called thievery, my friends. (laughs) Straight up thievery. Yeah. Good old Well, when you get the patents, no longer people can no longer do it. You know, if they were using the similar style of press. So it's like they basically eliminated all of their competition, like brilliant and evil perhaps. But Regardless, we appreciate them. Yeah. So um, my press was named in honor of the late, great George Phineas Gordon. Um, But it was actually produced by. I'm going to let Mariah take this name. Oh, yeah. I have to look at the thing. Schneid event. Schneidevind. Yeah. Schneidevind. Oh, is there an SC or is it SH? It's SH. Hmm. Yeah. Schneidevind. Schneidevind and Lee is the company um, that made my challenge, Gordon. I love that. I want to go to Google Translate and see if it'll it'll tell us. (laughs) Okay. Now it's confused. (laughs) All right. Let's try it. I want to see what it says. Getting a little sidetracked here, but it's gonna be worth it. Ooh, oh! You want to know what this translates to? What? Cutting edge. Shut up! Shut <laughs> up! Oh, Schneidevin. That's, That's wild. Can I drop this Did in the chat? Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Look in the chat. Interesting. It translates to cutting edge. How cool is that? Oh my god, I love it. Actually, it just like makes me anxious because all I think about day and night is getting a nice paper cutter. <laughs> yeah, right. Like <laughs> our next printing company will be named Cutting Edge, <laughs> but we will not be spelling it in German. Thank you. Oh my god, that'll be our next uh, podcast name, Cutting Edge. Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> wow, that's really funny. So, do you know where this company was based? Like, where your press originated? Yes, Chicago, um, oh. and TBD. I, I feel bad. Gordy's getting a, a lot of crap today. Um, but I might give him a gift because the numbers 1887 are, I don't it's not really engraved, whatever it is when it's like stamped yeah. into metal. Etched. Yeah. Etched. Yeah. It's etched in there. And it looks like it was just part of like the form that they poured. Anyway. Um, so I've just assumed he was made in 1887. Yeah. According to recent research, really 1890s is when this particular company started making their presses. So he may be 10 years younger. And I mean, that's a gift. Wouldn't we all love that as a gift? Yeah, 10 extra years. That'd be great. So on the Chandler and Prices in the bed of the press in the top left, there's a serial number there. And you can look up the serial number like the logs and like basically you can tell like they usually do like what the first serial number was that year and what the last one was so if your serial number falls within those in that range you know what year it was made and so mine was 1909 I think is what I found um like late 1909 it was towards the end so um yours is probably not a year it's probably a serial number 
I mean, I honestly have no idea because you know what? Neither does the internet. <laughs> yeah. Is it in the bed <laughs> of the, the dress? Where is the serial if number? The internet doesn't know. It is no, it's on um it is on not the flywheel, but you know how opposite side of the flywheel there's yeah. that giant so, like, gear. gear. Yeah. It is on well, that. So- and it has a C after it. And usually like that number plus a C is like some sort of indication of a year. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe. Well, so mine, I mean, I assume that all presses are probably this way, but different parts have different serial numbers. So, like, the the bed of the press has a different serial number than the, like, the roll, like, the big, uh, the, like, shafts that turn the gears and things like that. Like, there are, on my press, I think there's a handful of different serial numbers for different parts. Um, so, I think the challenge company probably put the, the press serial number somewhere specific, you know, like Chandler and Price does on the bed. They probably did that too or somewhere else. And so, there's probably just another number you need to find and then hopefully find a manual that'll tell you what year they made those. <laughs> or perhaps <laughs> since they didn't make many of them. <laughs> yeah. There might not be any serial. I mean, I know for a fact there's, um, unless someone can contact me and tell me otherwise. The internet, yeah, if you know differently, please tell us because we would love to know. The internet has not been able to turn up like any sort of manual for this particular jobber. Um, yeah. Just doesn't exist. And luckily, it's very similar to the CMPs. So I've been able to dive into, um, you know, like the CMP manuals for like the oiling and all of that. I've been able to sort of parse out like what I would need or at least find names for things that I'm like because when I got my press I didn't know anything about I didn't know a flywheel was called a flywheel I was like this big brown thing on the side of my press yeah Um, and luckily nothing was really wrong with my press so I didn't have to do a lot of diagnosing except for the fact then I owned it for like however long and still had just been calling things by like my own names still do that to this day but that's fine Anywho, that was such a lovely overview of platinum presses. Yeah, I really want to learn more about your press. I am intrigued by all of this. Um, And it sounds like, I mean, mine is a Chandler and Price, so it's like not rare at all, which is what's great about it. But like yours, I think your press is probably quite a bit more rare. And like you should really like, I can't wait to find out more about Gordy's history and and learn more about how many siblings he has. Um, I know. We're going to find out. We are are dedicated. We're on the story. We're working on it. It's going to be great. Yeah. Sweet. Should we talk about things we've printed recently? Yeah. All right. So this week on our hot off our press segment, um, <laughs> I think I'm I think I'm going to talk about uh, my latest greeting card, which I'm the really tigers about the tigers. Oh, I okay. love the tigers. I can't wait for better mail to come. <laughs> I know. So uh, way back when, sort of at the beginning of better mail, I experimented with my first pattern and it was all line like simple line illustrations and everyone went bananas over it and one of my friends in particular was like I freaking love the patterns do more patterns and I'm here to please so if you ask me for something (laughs) I'm here to do it so I've been slowly like building up and I like I did a whole fruit line last year where like one month I did watermelons and peaches and Apples. apples and gourds all that jazz um actually someone just placed an order for the apples card on etsy and i was like i see you and i love you and here's your apple card because 
I love they, the apple cards. So I also so really cute. liked the basket that you did that that month. The little basket Thank of apples. You. I loved that too. Thank you. But the whole point of all this is like I've slowly been ramping up. So I started with lines, you know, a pattern that had a lot of line illustrations because it's more forgiving. Yeah. You're not going to notice the unevenness. And like I mentioned before, like my my platen has such a small like perfect print area and then outside of that print area like yes I can print but it's going to require some really weird packing and a lot of patience um so my next step up from that were light colors or things that like if they had a lot of peppering to the color it kind of was nice worked yeah I am proud to say that I have now built up to this tiger design that on at least 90% of them, because the platins do run low on ink and it's not automated, so you have to re-ink it. Um, but as long as the ink levels were good, I was getting such good coverage side to side across the entire front of the card. And the registration is so freaking good like it's perfect if you are it's printer, perfection if you are a printer yeah. out there you know you know when you're challenging yourself with registration and when you nail it you just want to like every single one of them every single one so um I actually took a trick that I learned um from the Learn Letter Press course if you're unfamiliar please look into it um Brit by Swell Press has a course specific for letterpress learning and it's fabulous and I loved it like it worked so well I only put on one side which technically you should put it on two um, but I print all of my stuff cut to size which is something we didn't talk about in our overview of platens but for me is like one of the reasons I absolutely love these machines is that you could print to size on like they're you, on everything business cards yeah. invitations whatever it is you could print it to size I've even printed die cut like weird shapes I just make yep. like a little form to fit little, them in yeah yeah <laughs> yeah coasters things like that you Coast can just like yes. I, yeah yeah I've done all kinds so of it's random great. things so yeah so the registration looked so good I cried <laughs> <laughs> and texted me texted mariah <laughs> the, the i am just so impressed with the color coverage um like you mentioned it's like not like just line work that's super like you know smaller and more forgiving it's like solid print areas which for a platen press that's another i guess con to add to the list but with platen presses like you don't get that much ink coverage it's a little bit lighter than uh sometimes the flatbed presses can be so like to get solid ink coverage over like a wider area is pretty incredible and when it goes right man it goes right and you just like feel on top of the world it's so great i i love that feeling for you i'm i'm thrilled on your behalf and the tigers are super cute too i can't wait to get one myself thank you thank you mm -hmm. happy lunar new year to everyone yeah you're the tiger perfect i'm doing a lot of jazz hands because that's how excited <laughs> i am i can see them so i appreciate the jazz hands um yeah that's really fun i i feel like you know that's part of the learning curve of printing is like learning what works and what doesn't on your press like i last year for holiday season i did i wanted to do this like candy cane design and i thought it was gonna be so cute i literally 
put it on the press for like two prints. And I was like, yeah, no, that's never going to happen. It was like a solid four and a half by or four and a quarter by five and a half area. And I was like, what was I thinking? That's like my entire printable area, but it doesn't just work. Like you can't just print like a whole block that size. Like your printable area is not just like, okay, here's a solid piece of color that that's that size. That's not how it works with platen presses. And so, um, yeah, it was a learning experience, but you learn what doesn't work. And then you just like kind of progress to the point where you're like, okay, this works. That doesn't, let's see how close I can get to like that not working amount of printable area while staying in the working side of things, you know, like it's all yeah. just like trying to toe the line of what works and what doesn't and, and learning where that line is for your press and your style of printing and what paper you're using and all of those things. So bravo. Yeah. What a great way to start the Thank year. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so hot off the press for me is a little different. I, I bought a new toy um, and I'm very excited about it. I got a die cutting uh, machine essentially. So, you know, if you're not familiar with die cutting, it's basically like a wood block with whatever your die cut shape is, whether it's an arch or a circle or even a square, it's going to have a, a line around that shape. That's basically a, a blade. And by pressing the paper into it hard enough um, with a, with a solid back behind it, it'll cut the paper for you. So super, I like have been interested in die cutting for a really long time. Um, but to set up a press to die cut, you pretty much have to like commit to like, you have to put a jacket on to protect the bed of the press and like in the platen and all the things. And then you have to like perfectly register it. And like the impression has to be perfectly even. And I just like felt like that was too much to get into on my press because then every time I wanted to print rather than die cut, I'd have to like disassemble it and then reassemble when I wanted to die cut. So I got lucky to find um, locally a die cut machine. And it's kind of funny because it relates a lot more to flatbed presses than to like platen presses as far as like setup goes. It's essentially like a little galley press. Like it has the cylinder that you run the thing through and it pushes down just enough to, to die cut the paper. And so it's been kind of fun because it's like an alternative. It's like a different learning experience, you know, and it's not complicated by any means. Like you could just walk in and learn how to do it in a second. But um it is like much more like a flatbed press. So it kind of takes me back to like learning on a Vandercook and makes me remember like what that felt like. Um, so it's been mm -hmm. really fun. I'm super excited to like build up my collection of dyes. And then obviously I print for my own stuff, but I want to offer a lot of these particular things to other printers as well. So um, yeah, I'm super excited about that. And I just like can't stop coming up with ways to use them now. So like every proposal from here on out for all of my clients this year is going to have some kind of die cut offering. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> it's like you get so excited about like a new thing, a new trick, a new toy, whatever it is. And you're just like, I want to use it in everything. Like you with embossing, it's the same way. Like yes. you embossed everything for like the first like four projects after you <laughs> learned that you could do it. And I'm the same way with die cutting. I'm like, I can die cut now. Let's die cut everything. Um, so yeah, that's been really fun. I think like one of the things I love about running my own business and being a creative person is that like, we're always trying new things. Like we don't just like, we don't just like coast along. Like we could very easily be just satisfied with like where we're at and what we're doing and not like feel the need to like go start a podcast and like go learn this new thing and try and increase our printable area. Like we could just easily just be like, oh, yep, that's good. Great. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Like, but we're not those people. So it's really fun. We're always Jillian and I are always texting each other about like, what about this? 
Or what if I could do that? Or, ooh, I could do this now. <laughs> like, I, I think that's one of my favorite things in the whole world. Never stop learning. I'm already coming up with ideas of things I need you to die cut for me. <laughs> like, I know. That's you get a machine, thing, like, I'm like, ooh. Yeah, we definitely like it's an advantage, but also a disadvantage because I'm like, okay, Jillian can print white ink. I can die cut. We can both letterpress, but we can all, you know, like together we could complete ourselves, you know, like we can do all the things that we want to do. That's just, you know, it's community over competition, right? Like I would rather yeah. like work with someone that I know and care about and like I'd rather, you know, work with you on a project than work with some random printing company that like maybe I like or don't like, you know, but it's just um, also great that we can like share our resources, not just our knowledge, but like, you know, our actual resources too. It's really, I think it's really special. Um, yeah. I don't know a lot of other industries that are that like forthcoming, you know, letterpress is so like a lot of people in letterpress are very giving with their information, with their time, with their knowledge. Um, so yeah, that's fun. We're yeah. very fortunate. We are. Yeah. It's yeah. a niche community. So we take care of each other. Yeah, for sure. You kind of have to, you know? It's like a small, small town. It just spans the globe rather than one area. <laughs> There's I a love lot it. of heavy equipment Yay. involved. <laughs> um, cool. Well, that wraps this up. Yeah, what a great episode. So we talked a lot about our favorite presses, platinum presses. They're very near and dear to our hearts, so hopefully we weren't too biased. Um, but, you know, there's pros and cons. Um, whether it's cost or safety or, you know, availability. Um, but yeah, platinum presses are, are pretty amazing, pretty amazing machines. Um, next week, we're going to talk to you about flatbed presses and we'll follow that up with windmills. We'll cover all the different types in the next few episodes. So uh, tune in next time. Yeah. So if you have any questions about uh, platinum presses that we haven't covered, feel free to DM us on Instagram. Um, we'd be happy to answer your questions on future episodes and yeah so thanks for hanging out with us and we'll see you next week bye bye, <laughs> bye.